0: Okay, guys, we're going to go ahead and jump in to our scripture for this morning. Uh, and Fernanda Lucan is going to be reading for us. So uh, if you can all give your attention to Fernanda, we're going to be in Acts 2 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up there. And it will also be up on the screen if you want to follow along.
1: All right, this is Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved.
0: Nanda, will you read that for us one more time? Yes. Sorry. It's relatively short. I want it to sink in because I'm going to ask you guys a question about this afterwards. So I want you to tune in and think about what would being in this community be like? Okay, read it for us again.
1: And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul,
0: Would you just... No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Fernando. Let me, let me pray for us. God, thank you for your word. Uh, thankful, we're thankful, Lord, for your desire to speak to us, and we trust that you desire to do that this morning. Lord, as we, uh, as we open it up, Lord, as I preach, would you uh, Lord, be shaping the desires of our hearts and the devotions of our hearts. Let we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you would want to be a part of the kind of community that was described in this passage that we just read? Can I see some hands? How many of you would want to be part of i I'm going to ask one more time, keep them up, okay? How many of you would want to be part of a community like this? Right, who would not want to be part of a community like this? That we, we live in a world that is desperate for this kind of belonging, desperate for it. Uh, Caroline and I, my wife and I, are watching We Crashed right now, which is a docudrama about WeWork. It's fascinating, okay? And Adam Newman, the guy who uh, created WeWork, basically was selling his co-working space as a cure to people's loneliness. It's a whole business of billions and billions, questionably how much it was worth, but a lot of money, right? All about, all built on a way of, of addressing the loneliness that we so often feel. There's this moment in an in, in episode where he looks at this employee he's trying to recruit, and he says to her, are you lonely? And she says, well, of course, everyone is lonely. And he says, come work with me. Let's make the world a less lonely place. He's speaking to, he tapped into something that's so true about our experience as humans, which is our desire for connection. This picture in Acts 2, it resonates with us deeply. And it resonates with us now, and it resonated with the people back in the first century. And when we read this passage, it's easy to look at it, to ask, okay, well then what do I have to do to get a community like that? Right? Give me the recipe, let me get the, the, the steps that are in this passage so I can create a community like that in my life. We can finally find a cure for our loneliness if we could just follow the steps that are in this passage. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to give you the steps, right? If you just work these steps, you can, no, that's not what this is going to happen. That's not what t- this morning is about. Well, I'm really excited about it, obviously. Now, instead of looking uh, for a recipe to end our loneliness, I want you to think of this passage as evidence of a greater change that has happened in the lives of these people. that there has been a shift in, in the center of gravity of their lives. And that what we see worked out in these verses is a result of that much bigger shift. And so the first thing we're going to talk about this morning is this foundational reorientation or how this passage addresses the, foundation, the foundational devotions of our lives. And then we'll talk about what that new devotion means for our community and what it means for our community as we face uh, the world outside of this room. So let's talk first about the reorientation of devotion that we see happening in this passage. So verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And, and when we read that, again, this is the place where it's easiest to say, oh, well, if we would just follow these steps, if we would just devote ourselves more and more to these things, then we'd be able to, to, to grow the kind of community that's, that's talked about, that's illustrated for us in this passage. But, but these devotions are not ultimate devotions. They're an expression of, of a devotion that's even greater. And what the scriptures would tell us, what it would teach you, what it would teach me, is that ultimately there are only two devotions that you can be operating out of in your life. Two devotions that I can be operating out of in my life. It's either the devotion to self or the devotion to the God that we read about in the scriptures. Our triune God, this God of glory and of grace. Ultimately, we are all living out of one of those two devotions. Do you guys know uh, much about black holes? I don't, but I've been doing some research this week, okay? A black hole is basically what happens if you're an astronomer. I'm sorry about this description. But uh, basically, a black hole is when there is a massive star that has died and collapsed in on itself. But the matter or the mass that makes up that star doesn't disappear because law of conservation of matter, matter never disappears, right? What happens to that matter is it gets focused in a very tiny point, but the, the gravity there is so strong that it sucks other things toward it, and the mass of that dead star gets even greater. In fact, it becomes so great that it sucks in light, and light cannot escape from the, from the, the hole that's created around it. More or less, okay? That's a black hole. So it's got its own center of gravity. And it's moving things toward itself for those things to be consumed. That is what it is like for us when, when we are at the center of our stories. When our center of gravity is ourselves. We're black holes that demand that everything in our lives and in our world revolves around us. And we, we consume those things. People and relationships. But as much as we desire them, as they get closer to us, we end up wounding them, breaking them, destroying them. That's what happens when our insatiable need is at the center of our stories, when we are at the center of our stories. And it's possible to practice the devotions that we see in verse 42 out of that place. That's called religion. that at the center of your story could be this black hole and yet you're devoting yourselves it would seem we could be devoting ourselves it would seem to things like the apostles teaching to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayers we could be going through these religious motions and yet all of that could still be about us now what we need fundamentally is a reorientation is a new center of gravity That rather than the black hole of ourselves, that what we need is is a different star. One that rather than consuming the things around it, gives light and life to everything around it. That what we would be oriented around would be not ourselves, but God himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this God of glory and of grace. And that reorientation in our lives from self at the center to God at the center is not something that comes about simply by an act of your will. We don't get there by trying harder. That's something that we have to be captured by. Because what the scriptures attest to is that uh, before we have devoted ourselves to God, that our God has devoted himself to us. But that's true about your Jesus. That before you could lift a finger, before you could do anything to him, for him, before you could express any kind of love or care for him, before the foundation of the world, he was devoted to you. Not because he needed something from you. Not because he had a U-shaped hole in his heart. No, that Jesus, in in and of himself, God, in and of himself, full of light, full of life, full of love, totally content, and yet desiring to share that life with others. Devoted to bringing that light and that life into your world. So devoted to it, in fact, that he would give of himself for you. he would lay down his life for you. That is, what is required of us is that we would surrender ourselves to his devotion. That we would give ourselves to the one who has given himself to us. And as we are captured by the, by the beauty of that, we find that the center of gravity in our lives changes, that we've been pulled into a new story. And what we see in verses 44 through 47 is evidence of what happens when people's lives have been totally reoriented. this devotion and this giving of ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayers, now become not a way that we're trying to get something for ourselves, but an expression of of gratefulness to the God who has already given himself for us. And that, that changes everything. It changes everything about the way that we relate to each other. So what we have here in Acts 42 through 47 uh, is what scholars call a, it's a summary statement from the book of Acts. So Luke, the person who wrote Acts, uh, he was a historian. And and what we find later on in Acts, and we'll get there later this fall, is there's a place in the book where uh, the pronouns change from they to we. And that's the part of the story where Luke is now actually participating in the story of Acts. He's on the missionary journeys with Paul, for example. So he's talking about the things that we have done. But here he's not talking about we, he's talking about they. And what Luke has done is he's gone back and done historical research and talked to people who lived this. He's got sources, and he's asking them, what was it like to be a part of the church at this time? How did you experience that? What are your stories? And so the stories that we read in the the beginning of the book of Acts are the stories that people told him about what it was like to be a part of this community, and what we have here in these verses is kind of the summary of those things. He's taking a step back, and he's saying, "Let let me tell you qualitatively what it was like to be a part of this community. that as, as the men and women in this story have their lives reoriented around the God, the God of glory, the God of grace, the God who has come for them, that has de- that had devoted himself to them, that what they found is that they were now in a new kind of relationship with the people around them, that they were being forged into a body with the people around them, that there was a bond, they were being built together into something new, to continue the astronomical analogy, right? That if I'm, ori- if I'm orienting around, if I'm orbiting around this new sun and you're orbiting around this new sun, this new star, then we are now in a relationship with each other. We're in a system with each other. I think about the song, This is My Father's World. And, and in that song, we, we praise God for all these beautiful things that we see in creation, including the music of the spheres the beauty of looking out at our solar system and seeing planets and stars swirling around each other in this beautiful dance, and that is what we as God's people have been called into, that ultimately, ultimately our devotion is not to each other or to creating a specific feeling inside of this room. Ultimately, our devotion is to Him, but that changes the way that we are in relationship with each other. that when we walk into this room on Sunday mornings, walk into someone's room, and we in, into their living room when we do small groups, when we walk into the rooms of each other's hearts, that the question that we get to ask is now, God, what have you given me that you want me to give here? That the question that we bring in with us is, what have you given me that you are asking me to give? Rather than, God, what am I going to get from these people? What am I going to get from being here? What can I get from them to fill up something in myself? The question primarily is, God, what are you calling me to give? We see that in this passage. All who, were believed, were to- all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. The what the grammar would tell us here is that this was not um, the first commune. It wasn't as if to sign up to be a part of the church when you got baptized, you had to sign over the deeds for all of your things and put it in the communal pot. That's not what this passage is talking about. What it's, it's the verbs here, are iterative, which means it was happening again and again. But as needs rose up in the community, people decided, I'm going to give a part of what I have to meet those needs. They weren't Tithing necessarily, although I'm sure they were doing that too, right? They weren't giving out of their income. They were taking their assets and selling some of those things to meet the needs of the people around them. They were asking, God, what have you given me that I can give to the people around me? And what is true? uh, What's true about you? What's true about us as a people? is that we will never understand the riches of what God has given us until we start giving those things away. That's why this journey is not a journey that you can do alone. Because there's no way for you to understand the depth of what you've been given until you start giving those things away. Right, and that's so important because it means that what we're talking about here is not that, if you would, it's easy to read this and think, well, if I could just be more devoted then everything would work out. Then I would finally have the community that I want. Then I would finally have fill in the blank. That is not the sermon, okay? That you have everything that you need for life and godliness. There is no gift that your God is withhold, no good gift that He is that He is depriving you of, that He is withholding from you, that He has given you every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. That's true and as we walk in this community together we have to draw from those resources in order to in order to do this don't we that's true on a financial level yes and it's true of of the way that we love and forgive and serve each other that the call on our lives as believers, the command that we've been given to participate here is a way that we learn the depth of the riches that we've been given in Christ. So we get to come here to this community and ask, God, what are you, what, are you, what have you given me that you're asking me to give? And that, and that can work itself out guys, in, uh, in organizational ways and in organic ways. We talk about the church as both things, right? The church is both an organism. There's, we love that word, don't we? Organic, right? It can mean so many things. No pesticides, but also just not organized. Yeah, that's true about the church. It's a network of people. And this has implications for the way that we exist as a network, as a community of people. That in our relationships, the question that we would bring to each other is, what has God given me that he's calling me to give to you? That's also true about us as an organization. That at some point this fall, we're going to be launching a, a greeting team. That will be a need that we bring to you and ask, hey, could you, could you give to being a part of that? Could you give some of your time to being a part of that, to working to make this place a more welcoming place for new people? so there there are organic and organizational ways that that works itself out. But as we approach this community, we get to ask, God, what have you given me that you're calling me to give? And sometimes what God is calling us to give uh, is our need. That can be the thing that God has given you to give to this community. But one of the gifts that God gives us is the gift of Limits. What he says to us is that we are not self-sufficient. He has created us not only to need him, but to need each other. He has asked you, us to bring those needs to this community. Think about it. Uh, we're going to have a baby in a few weeks, and I'm sure we'll have a meal train. Some people really like to bring meals in a meal train, but no one can make a meal to give to someone else unless someone else is willing to accept the meal, Right? That the need that you bring and and that you bring to this community, it's a gift. And it is so freeing to bring our needs to our community as a gift. Because when we bring them as a demand, I will just tell you, I have lived that a lot of times. When I bring my needs as a demand. Uh, And it breeds uh, manipulation. Instead, now we get to bring our needs as a gift and to see who and how God chooses to meet those needs, physical, relational, spiritual, through the people who are in this room and a part of this community with us. That's the kind of community we've been called into, invited into, commanded to participate in with each other. And that gets messy. It gets hard. And that isn't really captured in these verses, is it? This kind of sounds, uh, it sounds like a perfect community. I will tell you as we continue to read the book of Acts, you will see that that is not true. That the people who were a part of this community, they were people just like you, people just like me, people who sin. and People who sin uh, hurts other people in the community. And yet even in those places, what we believe is that as that even in those places, it's the infinite resources of what God has given us that we pull from uh, as we forge this community together. Verse 46 tells us, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. And I love the, the play there they received their food with glad and generous hearts, to receive something with a spirit of generosity. But because of how much they have received, that even their receiving happens with a generous heart, because there are people who have had their devotions entirely reoriented. Great. So let's lock the doors, right? Does this seem at odds to anybody with what we've been ta- what we talked about last week, the mission of Acts? That we're a church that's been called to be on mission? And it's easy to read this and think, great, okay, well, if we if we could lock the doors and we could do this with just the people who are right here for the rest of our lives, couldn't we? Is anybody with me this morning? Does anybody feel that? And if we were really gonna do it, what we gotta do is not let anybody else in until we get this figured out. Until everybody here gets their loneliness filled up, we need to not let anybody else in because we've got to get this right. That's making our community into the, uh, into the pond at Shelby Park. <laughs> that thing is gross. And I always love driving by after a heavy rain because I love seeing it overflow and create that marsh in the other part of the park. You know what I'm talking about? That is how we often think about Christian community. That I will give once I get all the way full. So until my pond gets full and starts to overflow, well, just don't worry about it. It gets gross, guys, if that's the way that we're living, okay? That what we're talking about here is something totally different, that the way that we would be as a community would actually speak to the world around us. That's what we see happening in this passage. Verse 43 says, An awe came upon every soul. That other people outside of this early Christian community were looking at what was going on, and they were saying, "Whoa!" That that awe was coming upon them. They were they were asking, "What is happening there?" And it's easy to read the next part of that verse, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles, and to say, "Well, that's it. That's the explanation." That's why people were in awe because there were signs and wonders being done. But the majority of this passage is not spent talking about signs and wonders. The majority of this passage is talking about what people do with their resources, with their time and with their money and the way that they love each other and care for each other. That is what caused awe and wonder to fall on this much broader community that was looking in and wondering, what the heck is happening there? Verse 47, it says they were praising God and having favor with all the people. So the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That us being a community of, of witness, right, that declares who Jesus is with our words and with our actions, that that is not a goal that's in tension with the goal of this being a loving place. All oh, that is, as we here draw upon the resources of Jesus, as we learn what it means to be devoted to the one who's devoted to himself to us, as we do that together, that we then become a testimony to the people around us. It's not an either or, it's a both and. They fit together. Rather than the pond at Shelby Park, I want you to think about the Nile River, okay? A little bit different. The Nile finds its headwaters uh, in Lake Victoria, which is this massive, like the second largest lake in the world, twenty six thousand eight hundred and twenty eight square miles of water, up in the up up in the mountainous regions of Africa, and it is from that lake that the Nile River begins. And as it flows out, it waters hundreds, of thousands of miles. That it brings life to a place that otherwise would be totally, it would, that would just be desert, right? that civilizations have flourished along the course of this river for thousands of years. That that is the kind of community that that God has created us to be. A community that is so full that it is never possible for us, it is never possible for us to be emptied. But this, this is not like the western United States right now, right? Where, where there's a massive drought and all of the reservoirs are drying up and there's no water for the rivers. That is not, a, that's, there's no risk of that happening here. That can't happen. That God has promised, it is impossible for you to outgive him. No, that what would be true about us as a community is that as God fills us up, as he teaches us to see the riches that we have in him, that that would flow out of here and would bless the people around us, the world around us that East Nashville would be a better place for the ways that we love and care for each other and because of that, love and care for and declare who Jesus is to our community. One of the phrases from this this passage that's been stuck in my mind all week is this phrase, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That the Lord added day by day to their number of those who were being saved? Like, do you expect that there would be people who would be added to this community? Like, not just hope for it, but do you, do you expect that that would happen? And if it did, how would that change or challenge the way that you and I are living our lives? Like, have you ever thrown a party and invited a few different groups of people to the party. Anybody have any of you ever taken that risk? I have done it before. It's terrifying, right? Because being the enmeshed person that I am, I'm worried about how everyone else is gonna do, how they're gonna have a good time, right? Who's gonna talk to who? And I'm always worried about who that person who's gonna show up and no one's gonna talk to them. Do you ever get afraid of that when you have a party? I tell you, there are times that I'm afraid of that here. And yeah, I have my own personal issues to deal with in that, okay? So that's true. <laughs> but the, the what, I, what I hope for and desire for this place, and, and I believe this is true for what you guys hope for and desire for this place, too, is that when someone shows up here and is new, uh, that there would be a sense that it's possible for them to be woven into the fabric in the life of this community, right? that our hearts would be open to them. Now, there are organizational ways that happens. New people can, if you're new, you can attend a new members class. I guess I just finished, so you can't really do that right now. But you could do that in January, right? You can sign up for a small group. You can go to our potluck that's happening after, after this service. There are ways, organizationally, that you can be woven into the fabric of this community. But this passage is talking about something uh, in addition to that. That we're that we would be a people whose lives would be open to saying, God, God who who are you going to come and, and add into my life that you that you want me to participate in weaving into the fabric of what's going on here? And maybe you're new or newer, and you're like, Yeah, who is going to do that for me? Yeah. I also want to encourage you. You have a role to play in that. That you have something to give here, just like people who have been around for a long time. That if Midtown East is a place that you call home, uh, there is something that God has given you to give to this community. Bring it. Even if that thing that you're bringing is your need. Yes, come on. Sign up for a small group with us. Those are places that we practice the devotions that we're reading about here, the devotion of the apostles teaching, the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. <laughs> come on in. This is why we do these events. We call, we call, we've talked about them before is uh, places for people to come and see. That's what we're hoping for in live on the lot on September 8th, right, happening out here. That it be a way for people to come and see Jesus. Last semester, the women played Bunko here. I heard it was a good time, right? My wife got really excited about it and has played it multiple times since, so if that says anything about Bunko. Uh, our hope for even th- that time is that, uh, that when people come and, sh- and show up here and spend time with you, what I 100% believe is true is that people will see Jesus in you. Yes. That they'll see Jesus in your friendships and the way that you interact. Yes, I'm so confident that that's true about our community. I've experienced that from you. Hmm. We're going to have a chance to practice this sermon uh, after we leave here at our potluck picnic happening in the park, right? It's a chance to, kinda to, to, in a very like tangible way, work out what we're talking about. That you are a people. That we are a people who have had our ultimate devotion changed. That you have a God who has come for you. Who is devoted to you. Who loves you more than you could ever ask or imagine. A God who you cannot outgive. Would you say yes to to being uh, on adventure with him? to discovering the resources, the depth of what he's given you in the ways that you connect and give yourselves to the people that are in this room? Whether that's with the gifts you've been given or the need that you've been given. Would you practice that? Would we practice that in the way that we weave new people in? it? And if you are new yourself, would you come in with all that you are, with your gifts and your needs? Cannonball in. <laughs> Glad that you're here. Let me pray for us. God, we, uh, we praise you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who uh, has come for us. Lord, before uh, we could do anything to move towards you, that you were devoted to us. We pray that you would uh, capture us with that reality even as we worship. And Lord, through that worship, that you would be changing Uh, our hearts and our minds, Lord, the the, the ways that we think about, connect with, and relate to each other. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.